We all know that Joe Biden said he would nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court, and he has upheld his promise of nominating a black woman for the Supreme Court. And for that, a lot of people are very excited. And I understand why you would be excited, because it's never happened before. It's unprecedented. So the first thing I want to do is I want to be a human being, and I want to say, and particularly to black women, I feel you. See, one of the things I noticed is that whenever we do these, like, breakdowns, we start picking through, we're not always very reasonable in understanding to the people that are emotionally connected. There are people that are emotionally connected to this opportunity. Whether you want to believe it or not, there are women that feel that they get extremely discriminated against. And this gives them an opportunity to see something happen that they weren't sure was ever going to happen. And though I say, in this society, blackness, race, trumps everything else, I do not want to underappreciate the relevancy of a black woman on the Supreme Court. So this is a monumental moment for those black women that feel this as a signifying moment. You don't want to take that away from people. Let's not act like we don't understand what people may feel. There are people so connected to Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they met her the most special thing since sliced bread because they were connected to her because of what she represented. So we're taking our time with it. We're not going to act like we're in such a rush that we can't acknowledge that this is a monumental moment for black women. I also want to recognize that this will be a monumental moment for women in general because for the first time, there will be four women on the Supreme Court at the same time. So give it up for that. There are women who feel separate from the racial issue. There are women who feel that women are underrepresented in America, underrepresented in politics, don't have the political power that they should have. They vote more than men, but they don't hold as many seats. This is America. We can say the same things. We can say both things exist. We can say racism exists, classism exists, and so does sexism. We do not have to, we do not have to shy away from that. And even though this is a black-oriented show where you put out a lot of black shit and I say all my black shit, there is no reason why I can't acknowledge that women in general are going to feel a certain kind of way about an opportunity to have four women on the bench. To miss that opportunity in your commentary, or for me to miss it, forget what you do, for me to miss the opportunity to express that because I'm so fast to run down a hill and want to point out flaws, would be... Not doing my due diligence. And also, I want to do some more conversions. You feel me? All right. Whew. I also would like to point out that Miss Katar, Judge Brown Jackson, is her parents went to HBCUs. Yeah, her parents was to, went to historically black colleges. Not rich people. Okay? Rich people don't go to HBCUs. They go to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and what have you. Now, she did go to those schools, but her parents didn't. And that's because it did not have that type of paper, Johnson. Okay? All right. So, that's where we are. Those are some background points I want to make. I will come back to more background later that I also think is very relevant. Let's go to all the work she's done in the private sector. Okay, so we know, I think she's a Harvard graduate as well. 
Uh, yeah, two degrees. Not just one. The jurist has two degrees from Harvard, which she attended, attended as an undergraduate and as a law student. She, served, she once served as editor of the Harvard Law Review. Come on, now. That sounds like Obama, Johnson. That's Obama right there, boy. That's what that is. Yeah. It was good enough to be president. I was, what? Obama was Law Review. We kept hearing that all the place. Oh, law Review, Law Review. I don't even know what the Harvard Law Review does. But I know I was impressed back in 07. Like, what that brother did? What? What that brother do? He did what? Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Sounds good, sounds good. We might get one, Johnson. We might get one. Yeah, so, so, that's impressive. And if you are not digging through the weeds, if you are not sifting through, there may be enough for you to ride off and be very happy, sing hallelujah, take your girls out to lunch or brunch. They're about to lift all the mask mandates. Hey, it's time to party. Celebrate. Far too long, our government, our court, hasn't looked like America, Mr. Biden says. On Friday, when he announced his pick, I believe it's time that we have a court that reflects the full talent and greatness of our nation. Come on now, Joe Biden. Talking that talk, talk, talk. There he is. She was born in Washington, D.C., but she grew up mostly in Miami. At her 2021 confirmation to the appellate court, she credited a background of public service with her decision to work as a public defender. That's right. She didn't just defend corporations. She defended poor people. Public defenders are poor people. Those are people that can't afford their own lawyer. Because Lord knows if you got money, you're going to get you a real lawyer. You don't get a public defender because public defenders are overworked. They don't have time. And some of them are not as committed to your survival or your justice as you are. So... If you can afford one, you go get one. But if you don't have one, we will provide one for you. It's like getting that sandwich. You ever went to school? If you ain't had no lunch money? And they gave you that choke sandwich from the back? They gave you that, that, that peanut butter sandwich with no jelly? With the hard bread? That's the public defender. Now, now, I don't want to knock it. Because when your stomach is grumbling, you need something. But come on now. Come on now, keep it, keep it a buck. But they have that listed here for Miss Jackson. And she did, that for, she did that for two years. Two years she was a public defender. She's 51 years old, and for two years she worked as a public defender. Um, I talked about her parents. One was a teacher. Uh, both her parents graduated Oh, they both were teachers. I'm sorry. Her brother was a police officer who also served in the military. Uh, she also clerked for Justice Breyer during the Supreme Court's 1999-2000 term. So she worked for the judge that she's replacing. And that's something, Justin. And that's something. Go ahead, man. Uh, President Barack Obama nominated Ms. Jackson to serve as a district court judge in Washington, D.C., so J Obama appointed her in 2012. During her eight years spent on the district court, she wrote about 500 opinions. Among them, she ruled that Donald F. McGahn, the former White House counsel to President Donald Trump, had to testify in the Russian meddling probe. 
Oh, shucks. So a lot of people are focusing on that. Say, so, hey, man, she went against Trump to Trump. She went against a Trump lawyer. But hey, still, you know, she was able to, she was willing to challenge, challenge powers, right? So, okay. So now it's where it gets a little murky. Er. Ms. Jackson, a liberal justice, has a family connection to Paul Ryan, former House Speaker and ex-Republican vice presidential candidate, Paul Ryan. You remember Paul Ryan, don't you? Yeah. Obstructionist Paul Ryan. Yeah. That Paul Ryan. Uh, <clears throat> while her nomination, well, it, well, she has two children. She's married. Her husband is a surgeon. A white surgeon. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. Shouldn't matter, Tim. I know it shouldn't matter. But come on now. Everything matters. This is America. Race matters. Ain't that right, Cordell West? You don't think it matters, but you love Cornell West. And I don't know where you're coming from, Johnson, because that was the first book I read of Dr. Cornell West was his book, Race Matters. It matters so much, you made it the title. But you go ahead and live in your fantasy world. That makes you feel better, boo-boo. While the nomination has been widely praised by Democrats to South Carolina, South Carolina Republicans, Lindsey Graham, fuck him, and Tim Scott, go to hell, Tim Scott, criticize the president for choosing Ms. Jackson over Michelle Childs, a judge from their home state. They say Judge Child was on Biden's shortlist. Well, better to be on a short list than a short bus. But they say Miss Jackson, Brown Jackson, was considered the, the favorite. And uh, she was in the lead, and she never relinquished that lead. She's already been confirmed by the Senate twice. Or once, I'm sorry. When the president nominated her to appellate court judgeship, although her judicial record will be scrutinized in the days ahead. It is liberal, but not extreme. Her credentials, Ivy League Law School, a clerkship with retiring Supreme Court Justice Breyer, which I already mentioned. And uh, Clyburn really likes her. Yeah, Clyburn. Uh, you say, but uh, Miss Childs was a more unconventional pick. Clyburn had his own favorite. South Carolina Judge Michelle Childs, who Tim Scott wanted as well. But he said Miss Childs was a more unconventional pick. Without Miss Jackson's rarefied academic pedigree. Says picking her may have been politically helpful for Mr. Biden. But that's not how this president works. Okay. So I don't know, but I don't know what that means exactly, but that's what he says. Okay, okay. So we got a little background. We have to take an opportunity to understand who this person is. So as we form our opinion about, is this a good pick, we must, we must know what we're forming our opinion based on. We shouldn't just form it on the fact that she's picked by Joe Biden. 
We shouldn't just form it on the fact that she's a black woman. We need to form it based on what she's done. What she's proven her positions to be. So as I was doing this background check, I saw that there was a law, there was a judge who gave some pushback to Judge Jackson Brown. Oh, I'm sorry, Brown Jackson. I keep putting the two last names in the wrong place. Alabama's first black federal judge, UW Clement. He sent a letter to Joe Biden advising him against appointing Kataji Brown to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. Now, why would he do something like that? Why would he go on the record and say, this is not the one? Don't pick her. Let's not act like this is regular. We got the first black U.S. Supreme, no, first black federal judge in Alabama standing up and saying, pick a sister, don't pick this sister. Now, we can act like that don't mean anything, like that's, that's you know, small potatoes. Or we can consider what his points are. Now, this is what I found out. Now, somebody in my comment section on Friday told me about this because I didn't know about it on Friday. But I've had the weekend, Johnson. So there was a class action lawsuit at Lockheed Martin. And it was a total of like 5,500 people that could be included in this class action lawsuit. And... There was an amount, there was a settlement amount that was, that was up for her to consider. These black workers were claiming discrimination, that they were discriminated while they worked at Lockheed Martin. The amount in the settlement was $22 million. Clement said it would have, it would have implemented reforms in Lockheed's evaluation system for pay and promotions. So there were it was not just the money aspect, but it was also the changes Lockheed would have to agree to, which were more consequential than the money. This is what Mr. Clement wrote in his letter. He said, as you consider the, the candidates for your legacy appointment to the highest court of the land, it's entirely appropriate for you to take into account not simply what each aspirant has done for her own career, but equally so, what she has done for the cause of justice and equality. Based on their conduct in Ross versus Lockheed, I strongly believe that Circuit Judge Katanji Brown Jackson should not be appointed by you as the first black female justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. So while, once again, this should be paused, we should slow down. We should take a look at this. This is not somebody willy-nilly just throwing out, you know, disparaging remarks about a woman, that black woman going to the, you know, getting appointed. This is another black first saying there's a red flag. And I want you to consider that red flag. Because remember, there was a list of nine black women being considered. All the women that made that, you know, that were up, for consideration, we're black. So, 
What I'm saying is this, this judge, federal judge, Mr. Clement, Judge Clement had a reason. Here's what the reason is based on. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Clement served as counsel at the firm Miri and Skated, which represented the plaintiffs in the Ross versus Lockheed case. So he was on the other side of Miss Jackson, Miss Brown Jackson, okay? That's where he was. He was part of the lawsuit that was brought against Lockheed Martin. He represented plaintiffs. Jackson is the circuit court judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia from 2013 to 2021. She was the district judge on the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. Some people found out this about Ms. Jackson. Judge Jackson, that was enough for them. Oh, it's a black. You're withholding information. You don't want to keep it real. I'm like, dog, give me a chance to do research. Let me, I cover a lot of stories. Let me, let me, let me peel back the onion. But that was enough for them to like throw it. No, forget it. It's over. It's a wrap. She did not stick beside these black folks against Lockheed Martin. She turned down their lawsuit, their settlement. Sellout. She must be a sellout. Let's go. They were very, very quick to come to that conclusion. I'm not going to say I'm going to hold it against her because I understand how that looks. How does that look, guys? Come on, Wolfpack. How does it look when you're the black judge? We bring our case before you about discrimination from the major Fortune 100 company. It's race discrimination against Lockheed Martin, who gets all these government contracts, and you stand between us or them and this lawsuit. That looks horrible. We are tired of black people stabbing black people in the back for white corporations, aren't we? So I get it totally, and I don't hold anybody at fault for this. It is our job as journalists or our job as commentators or our job as analysts to go the extra mile to find out what's going on behind it and then give you the information and see if that cements your opinion or if it changes it. So let's get into that. Oh, I told you we're going to take our time. We're not just going, I'm not going to come up here and say a bunch of curse words, throw out a couple jokes that land and don't land and call it a day. No, I'm not going to change my voice up and act high, you know, get all dramatical as if I'm telling you some new shit. And then say, that's a good day. Let's have a good day. And say, go hit the pay, hit the pay cap or the pay app, the cash app, you know, hit the cash app, hit the cash app. Like I just did something. Now, we're just getting started, Johnson. I'm going to do all that, but I'm going to do it after I finish doing my job. Okay. Here's where we get to the nitty gritty. Just like you, I'm concerned. What the hell's going on? Why did she make that choice? Now, this is from an independent. I went to a source outside of the United States. Because when I looked at MSNBC or CNN, oh my God. It was very hard to find a critical person at all. Hell, 
it was hard to find an unbiased person. Hell, it was hard. It was hard to find anybody bring up any type of information that was not congratulatory. Everything I was seeing <coughs> from the MSNBC light and the MSNBC crowd was so so you know applause. It was applause. It basically was victory laps. Everything was supportive. Nothing was speculative or or diving into her background. Nobody held up, held up a magnifying glass to, you know, her background. So I went to the Independent Co. That UK out of out of the UK. I looked at the BBC records, and this is what I found. Okay, out of forty employment and business-related rulings reviewed by the Associated Press, Jackson ruled for the defendants. 30 times since 2013. This is while serving as judge on the U.S. District Court in Washington. Many of the cases involve discrimination. Claims that employees have filed against government agencies. And they hinged largely on interpretations of arcane provisions of employment laws. In one of her private sector cases, Jackson ruled that a Lyft ride-sharing driver had agreed to the company terms of service when she signed up with the company and therefore had to pursue arbitration to settle a dispute rather than a class action lawsuit. The driver claimed that she and others were Lyft employees who were protected by the law in the District of Columbia, Columbia that entitled them to paid sick leave. So evidently, when you're a Lyft driver, you sign paperwork that you don't know what it means. But in fact, it effectively says you cannot sue or you have to allow any disputes with the company to be handled through an arbitrator. You can't all pile together and go file a class action lawsuit. At least that's how it was interpreted by Judge Jackson. In one representative case of 2017, two black employees from Lockheed Martin alleged racial discrimination in their company performance appraisals. The employees asked Jackson to certify a class action lawsuit against the defense contractor on behalf of themselves and roughly 5,500 salaried black employees. Jackson declined in her ruling, which relied heavily on a 2011 Supreme Court decision they rejected the class action against Walmart. So she agreed with the earlier decision where Walmart was in a similar position and Walmart was able to avoid class action lawsuit. Jackson found that Ross and Josie had failed to explain how the company's performance appraisal system discriminated against black workers. She concluded that they also failed to prove that the performance appraisal system discriminated against black workers in the same way. A standard that will be, be that will be required in a class action lawsuit. So in a class action lawsuit, you gotta you have to be able to prove, apparently, that everybody's problem, everyone's discrimination is the same. We were all discriminated in the same way. It's symptom, it's symptomatic of a deeper problem of discrimination. 
And we all have the same symptoms. Because we all have the same bug. When you work with Lockheed Martin, that bug is, you black. I happen to know there is a lot of discrimination at Lockheed Martin. And let's just say I know some for personal experience. Okay, so this is what she wrote. Ms. Jackson wrote this. She said, two anecdotes in the class of over 5,500 almost certainly do not constitute a substantial proof that any, that any commonalities between them are pervasive throughout the class. So, to her, they had not met the burden of proof that this was similar enough that everyone had the same claim. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It says the ruling wasn't exactly a victory for Lockheed Martin, though. It sounds like a victory, though, doesn't it? Listen here. Jackson questioned the adequacy of the company's proposed $22 million, saying it was, that was a settlement fund, saying it was unclear exactly what claims other employees might bring against the company. The judge also noted the class members who did respond to the settlement notice. Not just those who opted out will be ineligible to receive compensation from the fund. So, was she doing this to help black workers who were discriminated against? Or was she doing so to help the corporation? This settlement agreement, Jackson wrote, effectively allows Lockheed to inoculate itself against any and all race discrimination and race-related benefits claims by a huge swath of its African-American employees for a price that's, that hardly seems adequate. That's what she wrote at the time. The two employees that, the two employees that were listed in the class action lawsuit who brought the class action lawsuit, they reached a settlement with Lockheed Martin for an undisclosed amount of money. I don't know how much money they settled for, but they settled. Here's the thing. I have no way of knowing if, in the long run, this helped Lockheed Martin and it helped those two employees. Was there ever a class action lawsuit brought that held Lockheed Martin accountable for racial discrimination against his employees. And if you want to ask, does Lockheed Martin discriminate, racially discriminate? It's pretty well known. If you're in the tech field, that you can go to pretty much any major corporation and that'll be the case. No, seriously. I spent my whole entire professional life before this working for government agencies in the D.C. area as a contractor. It's pretty well known that every one of these defense contractors, every one of these government, all of these government contractors, all of them discriminate. That's like it's water wet. But can you prove it? Can you prove it? And can you prove it is systemic enough 
where it's like systemic, where it's cookie cutter for all employees. And that's what a class action lawsuit, that's the purpose of a class action lawsuit. If not, what you have, you may still have a lawsuit, but it may not be a class action lawsuit. Class action lawsuits, faulty, faulty brakes on the car causes an accident. If you had an accident because of the brakes on that hot 90, on that 2014 Honda Accord, then you have, you're part of this lawsuit because you met the criteria. Those are the criteria of that lawsuit. But the lawsuit can't be, did you crash your car? Because it may or may not be brakes. Did your car malfunction? Did the engine blow? You got a problem with the car that's not specific enough to fall within the class action lawsuit. I hope that makes sense. So these two employees, yes, they did end up getting their money. I don't know how much money, but I do think it was less than $22 million. How can you say you work for an employer, you didn't get raises, and you should be compensated $11 million apiece? So anyway. But also, let's keep it real. If you Lockheed Martin, and you are discriminated against 5,500 people, what's $22 million? So see, this is why we gotta have this conversation because Lockheed Martin, $22 million ain't nothing to Lockheed Martin. We're talking about Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin don't get out of bed for $22 million. Lockheed Martin won't change his tire, its own tires, or the F-35 for $22 million. $22 million ain't enough for them, though. They wiped their nose with $22 million. We're talking about Lockheed Martin, okay? So I agree that if this is a valid lawsuit, $22 million is a horrible lowball fee. That's, that's thrift store prices. And I shopped at a thrift store when I was a kid. But if we're talking about making a Fortune 100 company pay for damages that it discriminated against... A, 5,500 5, black employees, we need to charge them or they need to be settled for a lot more than $22 million. We should talk about, I don't know, I don't know, $2 billion. Yeah, let's get the numbers up. So here's the thing. Depending on how you look at this, there are some people that feel like, oh, she's okay. I like her because she did not go with the employees. That's how some Republicans look at it. I was looking at one Republican, uh, Levy. I don't know who he is. But he felt that since she, uh, it could be a good sign that perhaps she's not an ideologue in general. So some Republicans feel that's good. She didn't side that way. Then there are others who feel like, well, maybe it's good she didn't side that way because it wouldn't have helped. But in most cases, she does side with the employers. Employees, I'm sorry. In most cases, she does side with employees and with unions, as she did with Donald Trump. Here we go. Uh, in her first opinion as a federal appeals court judge, a position to which Jackson was confirmed last year, she ruled against President Donald Trump in a case praised by labor unions. In a victory for the unions, 
Jackson ruled that the decision to override 35 years of precedent was arbitrary and capricious. She also questioned whether the change would solve the problems the agency had claimed it was trying to fix. So, I don't know. That's where we are. I'm sorry. It's not going to give you a definitive yes, no, up, down ruling. But here's the thing. And I hope people understand this. She's a part of the system. Yeah, she's a part of the system, Johnson. Judge Brown. If she was going to ride for black people, she would not be where she is. I don't care what you say in the back of your mind, what you think. If she's going to ride all out for black people, she would not be where she is. She is not an activist. She's a judge. Just like these people are not activists, they are politicians. We get the two mixed up. So anybody who thinks, oh, God, we got a black woman, and she's going to do this, she's going to do that, no. Hell no, she's not. Is it possible that she could weigh these things in a different way than a white woman may do? Or a different way that a black man may do? Or a different way that as a white man may do? Yes, that's possible. That's possible. But since you be jumping up and down going, oh, we got a black woman now, that means she's going to make some changes. No, that would be stupid. You don't get. Look, guys, we got to stop. You don't get to become CEO or part of the board unless you are of the type of person that they want to pick to be on the board. You don't maverick your way into working for somebody else's company. And in this case, the United States government is a company. The United States government is a company. Supreme Court is a company. It's a body. Look at it the same way. If you don't get appointed to it, you don't get nominated to it, let alone appointed to it, without being a part of the system. Nobody elects Mavericks and Rebels. Nobody chooses Mavericks and Rebels to be their uh, judges. You may win a local judgeship, right? But you're not going to be chosen by a president if you're a maverick. You're too risky. So I think it's unreasonable to think that. You can lie to yourself if you want, but I'm not going to lie to you for you. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear, and that's what you want to hear. I'm also not going to dump on her viciously because, all in all, I think she's about as good as you're going to get. And all in all, I don't expect her to do anything out of the ordinary, basically speaking, other than be basically sort of liberal at times. That's what the track record is show. Not a civil rights attorney. Okay? Just because she's serving two years as a public defender doesn't mean she's a civil rights activist as they're trying to bill her out. And it doesn't mean I don't want her to get nominated. I mean, well, appointed. 
Get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, I think some people's idea of what she's going to do, totally out of whack. Unrealistic. Leads you to have hurt feelings. Also leads you to be set up to be used. It's not like we got a choice in this at all anyway. Do I think we could have did better? I don't know what she's up against. I don't know the other options. But I think you could have done worse. Yes. I believe you could do worse. You could do worse than someone who serves as a public defender. Whose parents went to an HBCU. Who, uh, gosh. Whose family members, uh, I read somewhere that a member, a close member of the family was, you know, went to jail for life because of possession of weed. Three strikes law. I don't think that's something that Ruth Gator Binsberg or Breyer ever had to experience. Will she bring that knowledge and that live experience to, to her job and apply it? I don't know. I don't know. There are all types of people come from all types of beginnings which you wouldn't even be able to tell because they're so busy running from that thing, you would never know that they were ever connected to that thing. So that's not enough, is it? It's not enough to just say I had hard times. Some people who had hard times become the biggest sellouts. Right? Because they try to get away from the hard times. They never want to go back to the hard times. And they don't want their kids to go back to the hard times. So they make hard decisions. To make their lives easier. And make our lives harder. I'm not saying that's the case with this lady. I have no way to know that. This judge could turn out being great. But more than likely she'll turn out just being okay. And how she turns out really will come down to what you have in your head that you think she should be. Just like when I talk to people about Obama. And I say, hey, what about Obama? Why did he do this? Why did he do that? They go, oh, what could he do? Because they have in their head about what an the expectation they should have for Obama. And for some of those people, just the fact that he was elected is enough. And the fact that he got reelected was enough. They got caught up in symbolism. And I can't knock him with so much because the first term, I was caught up with it too. But we all live and learn. So that was a long way for me to say something. Long, long way for me to get around to it. But at the end of the day, Johnson, I want to get my hopes up high. And I don't care. I don't care what anybody else says. It's a learning moment. There we go. All right, we're in the house, Johnson. Why does it look blurry? Mm. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just me. Good enough. Had to move. Okay, we're back. Okay, Johnson, welcome back to the show. Thank you for your patience. Some things cannot be avoided. <laughs> Let's get into this, okay? Mm. To my people that stuck around, thank you for sticking around. So, we've been having a conversation about Ukraine. We've been having a conversation about Russia. 
And at no time, Johnson, did I tell you who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. I don't have that for, I don't do not, I do not feel like that's my job. First of all, I don't feel comfortable making a choice like that. Second of all, the information's too sketchy. But what I can tell you is, when I look around and see everybody applying for one side, I always wonder, what am I not being told? That's just me being black so long and watching black people get railroaded that my, my spotty senses start tingling. I recognize that when something looks too lopsided, there's always something more to it. Okay, so that's just my opinion on it. But does that mean that somebody should be invaded? No. Does that mean that I think that uh, people should be have missiles dropped on their homes or they should be shot? No. Doesn't mean that at all. So that does that mean I support war? No matter who it's against or who it's for. No matter who benefits or who loses. Am I, am I clear there? Because for some reason, I... I don't know if I'm clear. I don't support invasions. But see, what I'm, what I'm very consistent in is that point. I don't support invasions, whether it's the U.S. invading someone or another country invading someone. Get it? Well, you know, also, Johnson, what I think we should also recognize, there's some people that support invasions no matter who's doing it. They support Russia invading, and they support the United States invading other countries. Then there's some people who are total hypocrites who support United States invasions, but don't support Russian invasions. And I'm like, see, now we're playing this home football. Now it's all about what team you're on. You support human rights in one area, but not so in the other. So that's where I have a problem. Over the last couple of days, I also had an opportunity, y'all, to take a look and see that there's a lot of contradictions in the house. One of the contradictions that I see, I actually saw some Ukrainian folks being interviewed. Yeah, Ukrainian folks being interviewed by reporters and they're able to tell their story about how hard life is, how dangerous it is, and how they had their property destroyed or how they were barely got away with their lives or people that have been hurt and shot. And I thought to myself, wow, I've never seen this. I've never seen us care about people that were invaded before. I've never seen, literally, I've never seen us ever care I never heard an Afghani person giving their tale about being invaded by us or other coalition forces. I never heard an Iraqi giving his story in Iraq while being invaded by us and other coalition forces. I never heard, I never heard anyone give the mic to a Yemenese person as the Saudi Arabia was raining bullets down on them and they were able to tell their story. I never heard these things. It's a novel idea. It's a new idea. I think, it, I think it should be done more often. My thing is, why is it only being done now? Now, you know, I already know why. I already know why now, suddenly, we care about the people that are being invaded. Because it's not us doing the invading. 
That's part of it anyway. The other part of it is, well, the people that are being invaded are white. Yeah, that's going to hurt a lot of feelings, isn't it? It shouldn't. You don't decide what these countries do, but you still feel a reason to stick up for them. Some people do. You don't control the actions of Biden or how America has leaned on Ukraine or what's been offered to Ukraine or whether the, the, the negotiations between Ukraine and the United States or the United States and Russia. Or, you're not responsible for that, so why would you feel a need to defend it? I mean, you can see it for what it is. It's factual. It's not my opinion. We never gave a damn about the invaded people before. <coughs> but now we do. Suddenly we do. I wonder why. I got some answers, Johnson. Fifteen thousand people were coming into Poland in just the last 24 hours. When you look at what happened in the last refugee crisis in Europe back in 2015, Poland was one of the EU countries that, you know, was hesitant to take in refugees. Talk about what has changed and the different position now. Now, just to put it bluntly, these are not refugees from Syria. These are refugees from uh, neighboring Ukraine, and that quite frankly, is part of it. These are um, Christians, so white. They're, um, they're very similar to people. I mean, people who live in Poland, 15,000 people. Me, I'm sorry. It's really emotional for me because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed. Children being killed every day with Putin's missiles. And his helicopters and his rockets. And so, of course, I, I understand and respect the emotion. S'il y a un afflux de ne serait-ce que quelques centaines de milliers de réfugiés qui viennent d'Ukraine et qui vont dans d'autres pays européens, comment est-ce qu'on les accueille On sait que l'Allemagne, par exemple, a déjà envisagé d'aider la Pologne parce que ça va être une question importante. Et, et je parle pas, on parle pas là de Syriens qui fuient, qui fuient. Population. As you're talking to us, Matthew, we're playing in the latest pictures of some of the refugees trying to get on trains or trying to get out of Ukraine. And, and what's compelling is just looking at them, the way they're dressed. These are prosperous, I'm loath to use the expression, these are prosperous middle class people. These are not obviously refugees trying to get away from areas in the Middle East that are still in a big state of war. These are not people trying to get away from areas in North Africa. They look like any European family that you would live next door to. Fuck off. Population. population. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. It's Robert Moore here in, in the studio. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. There's this running statement that I hear on Twitter all the time. It's when you say the quiet parts out loud. That's what they're doing, Johnson. They're saying the quiet parts out loud. They're saying what's in their head because they're emotional. Because they care about those 
for little white people that they said. One of the reporters just blatantly said it. These people look like me. Pardon me if I'm emotional, but these people look like me. White, blue-eyed Christians. White, blue-eyed people. Very, very honest. I want to apply their honesty. Yeah, at least they're honest. My biggest barrier here in America is I do this show for a decade now. It's trying to make people be honest with themselves. Let alone be honest with others. Yeah, I don't like what they were saying to me. Obviously, it's racist as fuck. But at least they're real. Tell you exactly how they feel. What's different about this? Nothing. We see it all the time. Basically, this would not be a fucking story if it weren't for the fact that these are white people. We're so used to seeing this. We see this all the time in African countries and Middle Eastern countries. But see it in a white country, oh my God. Whenever we were saying, we're not used to seeing this in civilized countries. An invasion, Johnson. To invade is uncivilized, right? But that's not uncivilized when white people do it. Even when they do it to themselves. It's like, what? <clears throat> the biggest hurdle that I face when we do this show as we uncover issues like this, it's getting people to admit realities. And if we could just admit realities, if we could just admit, but if I could just have a Blue Lives Matter person admit what these reporters are admitting, that it's a difference when you see a white person laid out on the ground. It's not me using the shit that you put on me to say that I'm less than human as your clarification, as your excuse for allowing it to happen to me. Stop using your stereotypes of me that you use in order to use me to commodify me, to monetize my labor, to subject me and my people. Stop using those stereotypes that you put on me as a justification for all the evil shit that you do or that your government has done. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. We could just admit like these reporters are admitting. Because I heard all day, all day I've been seeing people post these, post these clips, and I haven't really seen this take. Which is how great it is that we got this footage. How amazing it is that these reporters are being honest. And that's shoving smoke up our asses and telling us, ah, it's nothing different. This is, uh, you know. They're being honest and saying, this is different. And why is it different? Because these are white people. And it's strange to see white people running. We're used to the brown people running. We're used to the blacks running. But now we have white people running. It's, uh, it's, uh, it was frustrating. But now I'm not going to read their comments. Of the people that don't understand how race plays a role in this, they don't get it, that's fine. My job is to put the information out there. You don't have to get it. You don't have to, you don't have to admit that it's 1.28 in the morning here in the East Coast, but it is 1.28 in the East Coast. 
You don't have to admit that. You can tell me it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Does not matter. I know what time I gave you, and I know it was the right time. It's up to you to accept it. So another one of the issues that have been rising is, well, there are a lot of African students in the area, in Ukraine, for instance, who are trying to get out because they're not Ukrainians. They're not going to fight a war for you. This is not their country, and they're not there to fight. They went there, there to go to school. And just like a lot of other Ukrainians, they're trying to leave, but they're having a little bit of a problem. They're black. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. They're not letting her go. They're not letting her go. Is it right? Is it right? They're not letting the black girl go. 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 What happened yesterday here in the in uh, in Levi? Well, we tried to get <clears throat> into the train to get to a border, like to a European country, probably Poland or in fact the countries that open borders for people going out running from the war. But they were prioritizing, uh, I won't say white, let's say other people to Africans, to black-skinned people. I don't know why, but it just happened, and we've been out like three days, five days waiting for. Uh, means of transport to go out, but it's still the same thing happening. We don't have arms. We don't we are students. 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 Anybody go down! Anybody go down! We are dying of cold! We've been here for three days, we died of cold! We have This is unfair! This is unfair! Why point God as a foreigner? Why point God as a foreigner? Ah. What the fuck is happening? Well, we don't, we don't have arms. We 
We don't have arms. We have nothing. We are students. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so the Polish government was pushing back saying it's not true. Poland condemns fake news that is turning away non-white people fleeing Ukraine. Now, one of the clips that we saw just now were black folks, or African folks, I should say, African folks, students, having a problem getting out of Ukraine. They were trying to get on trains. I've seen video of African students trying to get out of Ukraine and having a problem being prioritized to get, out of, to get on the train so they can't leave Ukraine. Then we have also video of Africans reporting. You heard people report that they've been stuck for three days trying to cross over into Poland. <clears throat> so, according to this report, large numbers have entered Poland. We're talking about about 200,000 people have fled. That was just since Thursday. Many have struggled to cross with reports of queues stretching kilometers on the Ukrainian side of the border. Among those are some third country nationals living in Ukraine, including students from Africa. It's important to note, it's not just, it's not just Africans being, uh, having problems leaving. There's also some uh, Arabs. I think they were labeled as Indians who also have the problem uh, getting into like Poland, for instance. One video, which is the one I just showed you, has been watched over two million times on Twitter, shows a group of African students in a confrontation with officials who appear to be refusing to let them pass. Some descriptions attached to the video suggest they are Polish officers. Though, in fact, they say those are Ukrainians. These are Ukrainians who won't let them leave the country. Meanwhile... Even the Nigerian president's spokesman has said it's been the Polish guards and Polish soldiers who won't let them into Poland. So I'm getting discrepancies on this, okay? They said uh, that it was Ukrainian soldiers rather than Polish border guards turning them away. Photographs on the Polish side of the border show that a number of people of color have crossed from Ukraine. So now we're counting the blacks that have been able to pass. Either way. As I stated in the beginning, guys, one of the things that I have in this Johnson's, one of these things, Johnson, is I hope that people take this opportunity to take a long, strong look at America and look at the world. It's a accept what they see. Detach themselves from it and accept what you see. 
We're not making excuses. Look at it for what it is. Realize that this is the world. And this is the way the world conducts itself. These are the way it operates. And it's not personal to you, but it'd be a good idea to accept reality. Because while you deny reality, while you deny it, others live it. you got a bunch of reporters admitting the truth makes you wonder why we can't get that in America I mean at least man at least we could do is be honest be honest about the coverage be honest about what's expected what's accepted that's, the, that's it be honest about what's accepted as normal And that acceptance is normal is what allows it to happen. Because all the time people ask me, why is this happening in the black community? Why does that happen? It's normalized. And the powers that be allow it to happen and sometimes facilitate it to happen, just like anything else. Does that mean I support Putin? No, it doesn't. Does that mean... I have no I have no feelings for people being bombed. No, I have feelings for people being bombed. That's why I tried to talk to you about the Tulsa race riots. That's what they call it. I call it a massacre. That's why I wanted to talk to you about the, the church bombings. You know. That's why I talk about these issues. And now we kind of see why or if history teaches us anything, it's why it's not a big deal. Our reporters just said it. Those reporters around the globe just told you. All those Western reporters all over Europe and the UK, it told you why. Yeah, this, is not a, this is not strange to a lot of you. A lot of people watching, you know this stuff already, like Tim said or something, we don't know. But remember, I don't just do the show for people that know. I do the show for those that need to know. I do the shows for people that deny it as well. So everything can't be, you know, for for those who already know. It's good to know to a further extent. But some people need to know that when you got a Supreme Court justice, a U.S. Supreme Court justice nominee, that you cannot expect a radical freedom fighter. Because radical, radical freedom fighters don't get to the level to be nominated as U.S. Supreme Court justices. Right? I'm not saying we shouldn't hope for that. I'm just saying that's what it is. But like so many things in this country, you and I don't get a choice, Johnson, do we? Well, that's all I got. As always, don't let nobody take your cornbread. Remember, tomorrow is phone line day. People call into the show. We had those conversations. I want to I say thank you to all those people that shared this show, that tuned into this show, that know what our goal is here. 
that are in tune with it, and we work together to make that happen. All right. I'm Tim Black, Real Tim Black on Facebook and Twitter. Tim Black and that on Instagram. I'll see you on the next one. Remember, cut the check, Johnson. Cut the check. People are owed reparations. Reparations now. All my Johnsons. Wolfpack. Big K. Ayo, wait, hold up, pause, no debate, no applause Tired of the wait, man, we need a revolution, but you can't to the bait We be down for the cause, I be late on a sauce Keep us down for the cause, fuck up, round, get a public execution Better wise up, hold up, fuck it, pause